Well, the Lord declared victory to Joshua and he gave special instructions to him. As we enter the book of Joshua over the weekend, this is a good time to study on today's program. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we go through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. We do it in one year with our 34th year. It's very exciting. And today we begin with Joshua on the television program. It's going to be very, very interesting. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey. All right. So I'm focusing in on Joshua 8 and Joshua's altar on Mount Ebal. Ryan. Okay. So today we discover how God hid the name of his son, Jesus, in the pages of the Old Testament, including in the book that we're reading today, Joshua. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one, Yeshua. Very interesting. Okay. And in three minutes, I'll be talking about Joshua 6. Janice. Today, I want to call my segment Feeling Surrounded. All right, good. Let's go. Let's discover the Word of God. Joshua 6, 1 through 11. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand its king, and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was, when Joshua had spoken to the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets, and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the Ark, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Joshua, it's a book named after the assistant to Moses. What a great book this is. 
And this is a challenge because uh, this is the time before Christ. So things are very, very different. Now, as Joshua puts this together, we understand that the book is very unique because this is a new generations. Now, trumpets weren't just used for music and worship in Israel. They were also used for signaling and announcing. They were effective tools of communication. And they are also used in an interesting way in our reading today. When the people of Israel surrounded the ancient city of Jericho, they were careful to follow everything the Lord had commanded them, which, of course, involved trumpets. Israel was to spend six days walking around the city, and this would have given the people of Jericho, very important to listen, given the people of Jericho ample time to flee. Israel was commanded not to make noise or to speak a word for these six days. Then on the seventh day, Joshua was told to command a shout. Well, the people did, and the walls fell. And then the city, how interesting, that it sounded and played such an important role in these events. The trumpets sounded, and then on the seventh day, the people sounded in obedience and praise to God. Now, understand that the trumpets are not typical trumpets today. They were made out of ram's horns, the shofars, and very, very important. And then, of course, they had trumpets they made. But this is important to remember the sound of the trumpets, the sound of the trumpets. And there's a lot of people today who have been hearing trumpet noises in the atmosphere. They're established. And we can see them. We don't understand what they are. The science says that they're the atmosphere is doing weird things and all of that. Very interesting that they've only been heard in recent days uh, in, the, in the past 30 years. I don't know. Just saying. It's very, very interesting. Well, as we look at Joshua, take your Bible guide. And uh, if you don't have a Bible guide, you can call us or write to us. Or you can also actually go to uh, BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Now, keep in mind that the Bible guides do cost money. And so we very much appreciate those who've given uh, to this ministry so that we can continue to produce the Bible guides and get them to the people. So thank you for your donations. They're very, very important. So I want to encourage you, uh, if you've given, thank you so much. And we really appreciate it. But you can get the Bible guide as we printed it as well on the internet at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Let's pray. Father, help us today as we get into Joshua chapter 6, which we introduced on the weekend. Help us to learn what you said about Jericho. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Now, before I read the scripture, I want to tell you, I've been to Jericho several times. I've seen the places. There... In the West Bank, there is some interesting places. I, I went there before it was the West Bank. Um, you know, it's just very, very interesting. Uh, there's a part of the wall that still, still stands. So it's something else. All right, let's go to the scripture. It says, now Jericho was securely shut up because the children of Israel, none went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You shall 
March all around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. And this you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets, and it shall become, or it shall come to pass, when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, and then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Fascinating. The Lord declared victory to Joshua and gave specific instructions to follow. When we wholeheartedly follow Jesus Christ, we are victorious through his power. When we wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly follow Jesus Christ, the Lord gives us his power. Let's go on. This is very, very interesting. Then he says, then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priest and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, proceed and march around the city and let him who is alarmed or rather armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. God had a specific reason for this. The men were briefed by Joshua how to walk around the city. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord, we are given all that we need when we face spiritual battles. Beloved, listen to me. Every single spiritual battle, it seems that God gives us the ability to fight those battles. We don't need to think of it as human. We need to understand that we all face spiritual battles. And when we face them, we need to pay attention because God will tell us how to move in here, how to go in there, how to do that. It may not be normal. We need to listen to that and pray. Now, let's get back to the scripture because this last part is interesting. Verse 8, so it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. Then the armed men went before the priest who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came up after the ark while the priest continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city going around it once. And then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. Now, this is fascinating. The six days were a great display of the discipline to follow God. You see, victory would come on the seventh day. Often God's plans do not make sense to us, but we must follow them. We must follow the plans of God. God speaks to us. God tells us things. And if we don't follow him, then how can we possibly have any victory at all over that spiritual battle? But beloved, if we follow the work of God, now I'm talking to Christians, if we follow the work of God and we say, okay, Lord, 
you're telling me to do this and this way in our spirits and we do it his way, we will have victory and we will succeed. God will help us. Beloved, that is so important. And that's exactly what Joshua was told how to do it six times once, seven day, seven times. And then on the seventh day, blow the trumpet and shout. And God performed the absolute miracle on that day. All right, Joshua 8. Once we get to Joshua 8, the Israelites have made progress into the land of Israel. They've made their way to the city of Shechem that apparently seems to welcome them, which is really interesting and it ties back to Genesis history. But I want to focus in on the mountains that flank the ancient city of Shechem, Mount Ebal, and Mount Gerizim. And instructions for a covenant renewal ceremony were given to Joshua by Moses back in the later chapters of Deuteronomy that he was supposed to enact a covenant renewal ceremony here. And in Joshua 8, we get part of that where Joshua builds an altar on Mount Ebal. So let's take a look at the archaeology of Shechem and Mount Ebal. The book of Deuteronomy records a command to Joshua to hold a ceremony on Mount Ebal, to build an altar there and set up standing stones that had the covenant written on them. Joshua chapter 8 records how the Israelites fulfilled this. Mount Ebal was probably chosen as a place of covenant renewal for a few reasons. First, it flanks the city of Shechem, which was a major center of politics and religion in Canaan. In other words, control of this area demonstrated God's power to own the land. Second, Mount Ebal is the tallest mountain in northern Samaria, demonstrating importance and commanding a view of nearly all of what would become Israel. Thirdly, most Israelite Iron Age archaeological findings come from this territory of Manasseh where Mount Ebal is. This gives some evidence to believe that here was where most of Israel resided in the early settlement and into the time of the judges. So having a religious center on Mount Ebal would give access to most of these Israelites. After these mentions in Deuteronomy and Joshua, Mount Ebal is never spoken of again in the Bible. In modern times, Mount Ebal has also received a slice of controversial fame with the findings of the late archaeologist Adam Zertal. A pile of stones on Mount Ebal received several seasons of excavations due to Iron Age I pottery scattered on its surface. Zertal interpreted what he found beneath the pile as a massive altar of burnt offering dating to the biblical period of the Judges. At first, Zertal's findings sparked a scholarly firestorm of disagreement, but today it's generally recognized that he did find a cultic site that corresponds to biblical sacrificial restrictions. The apparent altar is made of natural uncut stones and filled with alternating layers of earth, ash, bone, and stone. Not only is this a known construction style of ancient altars, the bones in the fill are ritually clean, edible animals according to the Mosaic Law. There is a notable absence of unclean animal bones here that are found at contemporary sites in the area, pointing to this use 
as an Israelite cultic center. Unlike pagan altars with stairs, this one was ascended via ramp, as commanded in Exodus 20. In front of the altar are two paved courtyards and various pit installations to hold other types of offerings. The whole area was surrounded by two short ceremonial walls that marked off holy ground, a later closer wall and a larger older wall. While this altar dates biblically to a time just after Joshua, at the center of it, Zertal found an older circular altar dug into the bedrock. Could this circular installation have been what Joshua constructed? The location, timing, and archaeological activity all line up, but the biblical connection will likely remain controversial. So there we go. There is a lot more uh, that archaeology that has happened and has hit the news about Mount Ebal that you and I are going to get into as the weeks and days go on. But here is this this, this foundational look at Mount Ebal and the uh, the altar structure that's there. The archaeology is very important, and it's it seems as if it's really coming to bear in the last twenty years because there's a lot of things going on here. So yeah, and it good. makes sense because it's been going on for long enough now in the land that that uh, not only is the technology increasing, but just the sheer amount of sites that have been excavated is has increased. So by comparison, there's a lot of things that are known now. That and, weren't before. and it's it's interesting because they're trying to the other countries are trying to destroy Israel with rockets and so this is absolutely fascinating really really something thank you Corey mm-hmm. Brian all right so as I mentioned at the beginning of the program God hid the name of the Messiah in the Old Testament right under our noses and we even see his name in our reading today which is Joshua chapters five through eight and in chapter five verses thirteen to fifteen is a really interesting scene in which Joshua meets a man who the Bible refers to as the captain of the army of the Lord. And based on the exchange between Joshua and this man, I'm convinced that this was Jesus Christ pre-incarnate. But whether this was Jesus or not, what we need to notice is that Joshua himself is a type or a picture of Christ. In fact, even the name Joshua and Jesus are the same. Check it out. While the Apostle Paul makes it abundantly clear in Romans 1 that from birth God has hardwired human beings with a general knowledge that he exists and has also left a clear witness for his existence in creation, other biblical passages also make it clear that apart from God's special revelation through the scriptures, we cannot possibly know who he is. This is precisely Agur's point in Proverbs 30 when he asks, what is God's name and what is his son's name? Only through God's word can we know. Interestingly, the Bible tells us that God has many names and titles, each one revealing something about his character. And the Bible also reveals his son's name, Jesus Christ. Although this name was plainly revealed in the New Testament, it is hidden in the Old Testament as well. As a matter of fact, the first time we come across this name is in Exodus, when we're introduced to Joshua, the military commander and eventual successor of Moses. While not obvious in English translations of the Bible, the names Joshua and Jesus are one and the same. Joshua, or Yeshua, is the Hebrew form, but in Greek it is Jesus. That both men bore the same name could be considered a coincidence, except for the fact that many aspects of Joshua's life typified Jesus' life. For example, both descended from a man named Joseph. Both had a humble, obscure beginning, but rose to a place of honor. Both were anointed by God. Both were filled with God's Spirit. 
Both led and shepherded the people. Both did for God's people what Moses could not do. Both delivered God's people from the enemies of God, and both promised rest and provided it. Interestingly, God revealed the name of his son again to the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. In Zechariah 3.8, God says, Hear, O Joshua the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant the branch. This passage connects the high priest Joshua, or Jesus in Greek, with the branch, which is one of the titles of the Messiah. Zechariah 6, 11-13 also makes this connection. It says, Take silver and gold, make an elaborate crown, and set it on the head of Joshua the high priest. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. In these passages, we see that the high priest Joshua was crowned like a king. This was not normal, since the priesthood and monarchy were separate offices. But God was making Joshua, or Yeshua, a symbol and a sign of the Messiah Yeshua, who would be a king and a priest. Thus, the prophet Zechariah also revealed the hidden name of the Messiah roughly 500 years before he was born. Now, one thing that I couldn't cover in this segment because of time is regarding the Hebrew name for Joshua. In Zechariah, the name as seen in the Hebrew is actually Yehoshua. And so this could leave us wondering how we get Yeshua from Yehoshua. Well, the simple explanation is that, is that it became a common practice to shorten Hebrew names like Yehoshua, which started with the root Yehovah or Jehovah in English. So Yeshua is a shortened form of Yehoshua, and we see that in Ezra chapter 5, verse 2. So don't get confused about the variation. It's the same name, but one is a long form and the other is a short form. And you know, we do the same thing in English all the time. For example, my grandfather's name is Alan, but everyone calls him Al for short. And my great-great-grandfather's name was George, but everyone called him Geo. Very interesting. Shortening the name. Yehoshua to Yeshua. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's very good. And Yeshua HaMashiach is Jesus the Christ. Yeah. Very, very right. interesting. Thank you, Ryan. Okay, Janice? Today's segment called Feeling Surrounded. Um, as we're taking a look at Joshua chapter 6, we're talking about the destruction of Jericho and the very specific instructions that God gives uh, to Joshua on how he wants the people to walk around Jericho. He is very specific in the times when he wants sound, when he doesn't want sound, and they're marching around Jericho. And the the beginning of the chapter, verse 1 says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. So you have this city of Jericho with the walls around it and the and the army of Israel is marching around and they are able to see this and really feeling surrounded. Now, there was one person, one person in Jericho and her father's household that didn't have to worry. That in that being surrounded brought a sense of peace And I'm talking about Rahab. And you can recall back in Joshua chapter 2, 
where Joshua sends spies in to check out Jericho. And if you, if you're just joining us, you can go back in your Bible and read Joshua chapter two and see what happens there. But in the account of Rahab hiding the spies, she confesses to them that what has happened with them and their God melts the hearts, as she puts it. It, it, it melts here in verse 11. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. And she goes on to say in verse 12, Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And as we see this destruction of Jericho, Rahab had the assurance that she and her family would be saved. And I got to thinking, Rod, about our own lives in this world that we live right now. There are many people who feel surrounded. They feel like there's no hope. When you look out at the world today, things that we have depended upon, systems that we have set in place, whether they're governmental systems or whether they're family traditions, a lot of those foundations have been shaken and are being shaken right now. Or destroyed. Or destroyed. And that gives us a shakeup. And sometimes we just feel surrounded. But the people of God, and by that I mean those who have chosen to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord, who have given their lives to him, there is a sense of peace that comes from that, that God is in control. It may seem like his hand is not moving, but it is. He has a plan and he has a purpose for this planet and for your life and mine. And just as Rahab, as she watched the army of Israel move, move about and follow God's commands, she had a sense of assurance and peace that she was going to be saved. I hope that you have that sense of assurance and that sense of peace in your heart. You can have it very easily. It's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Call on him today. He will be your savior your Redeemer, your peace. Well, I want to thank you for supporting us and uh, giving to us so we can print the Bible guide and bring this program to you and, and get the stations. I do want to say a special thank you to the NRB network. What a great network that is. It is just a great network. And we thank you for your support and your help. They're great people. So Father, we pray for everyone, stations, everyone, people, everyone today. Help them, Lord, to do it your way in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen.